Amen. Thank you. That's awesome, isn't it? Well, it finally feels like fall, doesn't it? Nice feeling to have, indeed. And uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, <clears throat> comes to the signs. Uh, we, we do hold signs still, and there's only three Tuesdays left. So I want to invite you out to that if you haven't ever done it. And it's just an opportunity just to make a stand for Jesus. And yeah, you're terrified and you're shaking in your boots, but then you find out, hey, it's all good. It's all good. So I want to invite you out. We, we meet about 4.50, and we do it to about 5 to 6. So I want to invite you to that time of signs. Also, next week, we have two Jesus Soda Pop Quiz. Quizzes. I didn't do very well in English, actually, but it's another story. Uh, and uh, one of, so you can check the, the website. We actually have a website called the thesodapopquiz.org, and there's going to be two. And so we'd love to have you. And it's a lot cooler weather, so it's easier to do, easier to handle, and just want to invite you to both of those things. All right. One day a boss asked one of his employees, do you believe in life after death? And the employee said, yes, sir, I do. Well, then that makes everything fine, said the boss. And the employee, somewhat confused, asked his boss, well, what do you mean? And the boss replied, well, you know, yesterday when you left early to go to your grandmother's funeral, she stopped to see you later that day. That's, a, that's not a bad joke. Man, I'd like, to see, I'd like to see some of you guys try this. I bet you don't get too many takers. You know, what we can do is have someone tell the joke, and then I'll get up and give the message. How about that? So we'll have a little sign-up in the back for those of you that don't appreciate good humor. <laughs> all right, all right. We're going to continue our series this morning, Shooting Straight, and I've entitled the message, What Happens When You Die? What Happens When You Die? Lord, I just thank you for humor. I thank you for the gift of worship and just the opportunity just to praise and worship you. And uh, Lord, this is a great morning to worship you. I always think every Sunday, starting all the way over in Australia, and I can just see the hands going up and people beginning to just praise and worship you, even as the sun rises and it, it, it hit places like China and Africa and India, and it continues on over to Europe and then to here, Lord God. And Lord, you are just so worthy of praise. If we did nothing else, ha, that would be the greatest thing. And so, Lord, as we come to your word now, I really ask that you will give us ears to hear this word. What happens when you die? There is no more important topic, and it is relevant to every single person here. It is relevant to every single person out there. So I ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. I ask that, Holy Spirit, you would come and manifest yourself. Make your word come alive. It's a sobering word, yet it can be a truly life-giving word. So I'm just, again, asking that you will now be glorified in this time. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. As many of you know, I had a professor in seminary called Dr. Howard Hendricks, and he tells this story. He was flying one day to Chicago to Los Angeles. He had a speaking engagement, and there was a woman seated next to him, and she wanted to engage him in conversation. And so she asked Hendricks what he did for a living. 
Hendricks admits that he was in no mood to talk. He was not interested in any kind of conversation, so he was going to give her an answer he thought would shut her down. He said, I am a preacher of the gospel. Generally, Hendricks said, when you give that kind of answer, and it's true, most people think you have the bubonic plague, and that kind of ends it. But to Hendricks' surprise, his answer did not deter this woman at all. She went on to say that she was retired and that she lived in Palm Springs. And Hendricks, knowing that Palm Springs was the place, the city, where there were a lot of rich and famous people, he asked her this question. So, Palm Springs, what is it really like? And this woman's answer surprised Hendricks. She said, Palm Springs is a beautiful place filled with unhappy people. Hendricks, not one to miss an opportunity, asked, so are you unhappy? And the woman quickly responded, yes, I certainly am. Why, asked Hendricks. And the woman said, I can answer it in one word, and that word is mortality. Until I was 40, I had perfect eyesight. Shortly after, I went to the doctor because I couldn't see as well as I could before. Ever since that time, those corrective glasses have been a sign to me that not only are my eyes wearing out, but I am wearing out. Someday I am going to die. I really haven't been happy since that time. You know the words of those women? She expresses the feelings of many, many Americans, probably millions of Americans. You see, we don't want to lose what we have here in America, and we certainly don't want to be reminded of our death. That's something that most people just avoid, like the bubonic plague, that they are going to die. But the reality is every single person in the human race is going to die. In fact, someone rightly said, there is only one certainty in life. And that certainty is death. I love what that great theologian Woody Allen once said. Skip put up this picture. I think we have it. He once said this. It's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) Allen went on to say, now listen to what he says, though, but don't be fooled. The fundamental thing behind all motivation and all activity is our constant struggle against death. It is absolutely terrifying. Now watch what he said. It renders everyone's accomplishments meaningless. Wow. Now, not too surprisingly, I received a number of questions about death, questions such as, what happens when a person dies? What happened to Old Testament saints when they died? Is there a place called purgatory? What do you think about NDEs? By the way, it's a misprint in your bulletin. It's not NPE. It's NDEs, and those are near-death experiences. Now, before I answer these questions, I think you ought to know that there are only three options when it comes to death, your death. Option number one, you can prepare for it. Option number two is that you can fear it, and you can spend all of your money and all of your time and resources running to escape it. Option number three, you can ignore it. By the way, Which option have you chosen? Now, when it comes to death, generally the question of NDEs does come up, near-death experiences. And a near-death experience occurs when a person claims to have died, but then they return back to their bodies. Now, if you are familiar with NDEs, it's amazing the similarities in stories. Skip, you can put up the picture. The patient would hear himself or herself being pronounced dead. 
Then they would come out of their body and they would hover over their body and they would see the doctors furiously working on their dead corpse. Oftentimes they would meet relatives or friends who had died earlier and then they would encounter a being of light. And when they find out that they must return back to their bodies, they do so reluctantly because of the experience that they had of this incredible warmth and and love and acceptance, and they simply do not want to return back to their bodies. Betty Edie. Edie wrote a book entitled Embrace the Light. Skip, put it up. Edie, in her account, she gives this fantastic account of her visit to the other side. And in fact, she dedicates her book this way. She says this, To the light, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom I owe all that I have, he is the staff that I lean on. Without him, I would fail. You see, she claims that she saw Jesus in her NDE experience, and so she's going to dedicate her book to him. And it really, no, I mean, you think, wow, this is fabulous. This is, that's kind of a cool thing to dedicate it to. It's a kind of a cool thing to write. There's only one problem. The Jesus that she met, the light she encountered, was not the Jesus of the New Testament. The Jesus that she met is completely separate from the Father and would do nothing to offend her. Edie went on to say, there is no reason to regret past deeds, for we humans are not sinful creatures. In fact, we human spirit beings assisted the Heavenly Father in creation. Edie concluded by saying she knew she was worthy to embrace Jesus. Now, you know, I thought that was interesting because I I think of the Apostle John, who actually knew Jesus, right, on on, on planet Earth. Please notice his encounter with the resurrected, glorified Jesus. We see it in Revelation chapter 1. Skip, can you put that up? When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstand was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like muddy ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, I high-fived him. No, it says, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. I find that fascinating. Here is John, the beloved disciple. He walks with Jesus. And when he encounters the resurrected, glorified Jesus, he freaks out. That's in the Greek, trust me. Edie, though, she doesn't even know Jesus. She, she, she never met Jesus. She didn't walk with Jesus. And yet when she encounters her Jesus, they are best buds. And this Jesus would be more than happy to join the Trinity, becoming a quadrinity. Now, there is one positive thing, though, that I got out of NDEs, and it's this. And it really is a positive Do you know NDEs confirm the fact that when you die, your soul is in fact separated from your body? I mean, there are just too many testimonies where people have left their bodies, 
and they're hovering. And as they're hovering above their bodies, they do. They see these doctors, and they see in great detail these doctors working on their bodies. And then they continue on, and they're able to see various rooms within the hospital. And in great detail, they can describe what is going on in those rooms and what they saw. And there's only one, there's only really one reasonable explanation for it, and that is that their souls actually did leave their bodies and they were able to view earth from an entirely different perspective. NDEs, if nothing else, prove that there is life beyond this life. There is an existence beyond this life. Now, having said that, we need to be clear about something, and that is, there is a great problem with NDEs, and that great problem is demonic deception. For example, in one account, there was this woman, and she was reported to have, she said, you know, crossed from life unto death, and Jesus was there to meet her, and he took her for a walk. And while they were walking, Jesus explained that all the religions of the world were just different paths to the same destination. There was the Buddhist path, a Hindu path, an Islamic path, and of course, there was a Christian path. All of the religions were like a spokes in a wheel, and all of them led to the central hub of heaven. In effect, this Jesus was telling her that everybody is saved, and it has always been one of Satan's greatest, greatest lies, that everyone is saved and everyone will be fine. Now, one of the interesting things, though, that I do find about NDEs, near-death experiences, is every time you read them, there, there, there is virtually, you see this repeating pattern that they see a light. They see some sort of light, and this light embraces them, and they feel a warmth, and, 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 and they feel this love, and they feel this acceptance. And interestingly enough, Paul says this about God the Father in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Skip, can you put it up? For at the right time, Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die, and he lives in light so bright that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor, power to him forever and ever. Can you? I mean, it's true. God is light. I mean, the true God is in such great light. Can you see that in your mind's eye? That, that you can't even stand in the presence of the true God's light. The Father's light is just so great. Now, you know, Paul counters, though, this, and he gives us this information. Listen to this now in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He says this, but I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. See, there's a problem there. Now, I want to put this together to you. We not only need to be aware, but I want you to understand more than likely a great many of the NDEs are nothing more than demonic deception. And you know what really troubles me? What really troubles me, and I do, we, we were just out at the tugboat rally yesterday. What really troubles me is we got people saying, oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I'm a born-again Christian. No, no. I can't tell you how many people yesterday said that they were born-again Christian. And we asked them, do you go to church? No, I don't, I don't go to church. Do you read your Bible? They looked at us like we had three heads. No, do you understand? You, you, can't, you, you can't understand how terrified I am because there is really 
a Satan. He can appear as an angel of light. And so many people, because they don't know this, seriously, are going to be easily duped and easily, easily deceived. You know, it would just seem, you know, to be a lot smarter. You want to know about death? Do you want to know about death? Well, I do want to know about death. But wouldn't it be smarter to take, you know, someone's testimony who actually really, really died than someone who supposedly died? Jesus Christ, you understand he was dead. His body was cold. They took it off a cross. It was cold. They laid it on a cold slab in a tomb. But yet, I want you to understand something. This is what distinguishes Christianity from everything else. Three days later, that body was energized. And he resurrected from the dead. Like that video said, he is alive. Now, let me tell you something. I'd much rather trust a person like that. I'd much rather trust a person like that than someone who's only approached, you know, near death. It's interesting, you know, Jesus said this in Revelation chapter 1 and verses 17 and 18. He cried out, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Let me tell you something. My point is this. If you want reliable information about death and what lies beyond death, then don't look to someone who's living trying to peer beyond the veil. Look to someone who's actually really died and returned from death. And only God, only Jesus Christ has done that. And so his testimony is true. So I want to now run to Jesus. And what does Jesus really have to say about death? We can't cover the entire death, but he gives us an interesting story in Luke chapter 16. And we find out, by the way, what happens to Old Testament saints, those who died before Jesus' death and resurrection. He says this, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell, where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all of this between us and you, there is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Jesus here, this is, by the way, is not a parable. This is a real happening. These two people are real. He's giving names. So you got to understand this. He's giving you a story that really is occurring and has occurred. And Jesus tells us that there were two men living in the Old Testament times, that is, before his death and resurrection. One was a rich man and one was a poor man. They both die, but they have two different destinies. Now, the stingy, selfish, rich man, we are told he goes to Hades, that's the Greek, or Sheol, that's the Hebrew. And they are really one and the same thing. 
And generally, now not always, but generally in the Old Testament, Hades or Sheol refers to the realm of the departed spirits. Now, the spirits did not all have the same experience though in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, you will see that some of the departed spirits went to a place of gloom and to a place of torment, and other spirits went to a place of great joy and and great bliss. The problem with the Old Testament is you get a rather murky picture of what happens when a person dies and what happens after death. But Jesus now, in Luke chapter 16, he gives us a much clearer picture of Hades or Sheol's. And he tells us that if you were a, not a believer, which this rich man was, if you were not a believer in the Old Testament times and you died, you were going to experience and you were going to find yourself in a place of incredible, severe torment. And please note, the rich man was fully conscious. There's no soul sleep here. No soul sleep. In fact, the rich man said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. You see, in the place of torment, the alcoholic will thirst for a drop of liquor, but none will be given him. The drug addict will crave a shot of heroin, but not receive it. The immoral man will burn with sexual desire but never be satisfied. In the place of torment, perpetually burning lusts never subside. The tortured conscience aches but is never sedated. In the place of torment, the desires increase and increase and increase, but they are never satisfied. But Jesus tells a different story about Lazarus, the poor man. He has a different destiny. And he tells us that this, this poor man, Lazarus, went to a place called Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom, and there he was comforted. Skip, can you put up the graphic now? So in the Old Testament times, you either went to Hades or you went to paradise. <clears throat> Both of those, by the way, are temporary. They are temporary compartments. Those in Hades will eventually face the great white throne judgment, and then they will be cast into the lake of fire. Those in paradise, we're going to see what's going to happen to them in a moment. Something very unusual happened. In fact, 2,000 years ago, God in the person of Jesus Christ came to planet Earth. And something, something very unusual, something very interesting happened on the the day Jesus died. Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Skip, do you have that picture? And at one point during the crucifixion, a conversation occurred. And this conversation occurred in Luke chapter 23. Skip, put up the conversation. (coughs) So he's crucified between two thieves, and here's a conversation that occurs. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man, he hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Isn't that something? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, no doubt, this is not the full conversation. I mean, you're getting the cliff notes here. And I want you to understand something. You have Jesus in the middle, and you have two thieves. And these two thieves are a picture of humanity. 
You're either the rebellious thief. You're either the thief that wants things their own way. You're the thief that says, hey, I want to live life my own way. I don't want someone cramping my lifestyle. I want to be my own little God. And that's one of the thieves. Or you're the penitent thief. And you recognize that what you're doing is wrong. And you no longer want to be in that position. You know, the rebellious thief, he remained defiant to the end. And you know where he is today? He's in that compartment of torment. Skip, if you put it back up, he's in that compartment of torment, and he's waiting for the great white throne judgment. But the other thief became penitent, as I said. And listen to what Jesus says to him. He says this in Luke chapter 23 and verse 43. Jesus said this, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Can you believe that? Today you'll be with me in paradise. This guy's never done anything right. No, I find it mind-blowing that this is why you talk about Jesus and the good news. It's good news. You can be a total mess-up. A total mess-up. And at the end of your life, you come to your senses. I may be speaking to you right now, the Holy Spirit speaking. You may have been a total mess up, but this thief repents. He recognizes who Jesus is, and Jesus says to him, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Skip, put up the the graphic now. So now, see, here's what happens. In the Old Testament time, if you die, you went to Sheol, and you either went to Abraham's side, and there's a chasm in between, and then, or you went to Hades. But now, after Jesus' resurrection, this is cool. If you're not, not a believer, you're going to go to Hades still. You're going to go to the, the, the compartment of torment, waiting for your judgment, only to be cast in a lake of fire. Or Jesus does something interesting. He says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So he does something incredible between his death and resurrection. He breaks open Abraham's side, and that thief on the cross was with Jesus that day. Now, here's, here, here's the incredible thing. If you, if you want kind of proof of it, in Matthew chapter 27, there's just this crazy, crazy set of verses that nobody really likes to deal with. Hardly anybody preaches on it. Skip, can you put them up? It says this. Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. So that's his death. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary, the temple, was torn in two. That, that's unbelievable. Do you realize that there was a separation between the holy place and the holy of holies where God was? There was this 90-foot curtain about three feet wide. I mean, it's not like ripping even a phone book. And that thing splits in two. You think that freaked out the Pharisees? You better believe it freaked out the Pharisees. And it says that it, it, it was split into torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. The tombs were opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Now, you talk about freaky. So, so, so Jesus dies. There's this tremendous earthquake. These tombs are breaking open. Nothing had all happened. They, 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 they just broke open. Jesus goes and he breaks open that compartment between, you know, uh, Friday and Sunday. He breaks open Abraham's bosom. And after he resurrects, 
all of a sudden, all these holes in the ground, you know, that they were just open, all of a sudden, these bodies start coming out. Would that freak you out? That would get my attention. And you know where these people went? So they, don't ask me how long they walked around. I have no idea how long these people are walking around. But let me, let me tell you something. What it's testifying to is the new covenant is now in effect. Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient. And now they're alive forevermore. And all of those people who got, came out of their tombs, those Old Testament saints, they joined the thief in paradise. What a thing. What a sight. So put up the graphic again. So I just want you to be clear. If you die now, if you die not knowing Jesus, you know, when I I talk like yesterday, I I talk to people, I said, do you know, statistically, one out of one people die. They they do that too. (laughs) They don't know what to do with that. Some nutty pastor. No, they do. They do. They, they, they think about that for a second. They go, wow, that was, that was nuts. But I said, you're going to die. And you're either going to spend eternity in Hades, hell, ultimately the lake of fire, separate from God. Or if you know Jesus and you don't die, and you're, isn't this great? If you really know Jesus and he knows you and your sins are covered, you're going to spend eternity right, right then, the moment you die, you're going to be with Jesus uh, isn't that fantastic? Please understand now, because we're running low on time. So we've we, 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 we got to hit this thing called purgatory. Please notice there is no purgatory. I just want to be clear on that. There is no purgatory in the Bible. It's one of the questions I was asked. They asked, is there a purgatory, and do believers go there after they die? Skip put up the picture. Now, purgatory, for the record, is not biblical, meaning it is not in the Bible. In fact, purgatory is primarily a Roman Catholic doctrine. It became popular in the medieval times due to a faulty doctrine of salvation. You see, in the medieval times, the belief was that, you know, virtually nobody, nobody was righteous enough to be, die and to be in the presence of a holy God. That part's actually pretty good, you know, that, that's a pretty good doctrine. That, that, that's not bad. So the belief was, since nobody was really good enough to be in the presence of a holy God, there must be a place, you know, where your, your sins will be purged and you'll work off your sins. And, 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 and that place became known as purgatory, a place where you're, you're being purged of your sins. And, and, you know, eventually you will get enough of your sins purged that you're holy and righteous, and now you can be in the presence of a holy and righteous God. Now, this may take you a day, it may take you a year, it may take you two years, it may take you millions of years. It just depends on how many sins that you need to work off. And some of us would have to work off a lot, I guess. The teaching, quite honestly, is blasphemous. It totally, it totally underestimates the sacrificial death of Jesus. I mean, it's a slap in his face. It is a slap in what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the Roman cross. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 22 as we rhyme this down. Let this speak to you. Yet now he has reconciled you. That is, the Father has reconciled you to himself. How did the Father reconcile you to himself? Through the death of Christ in his physical body. Now watch this. As a result, he has brought you into his presence, and you are... I am St. Frank. 
Everybody say St. Frank. I'm going to just St. Frank. And if you are truly born again, then you are St. whatever. You are, look at this, holy and blameless. You stand before him without a single fault. Do you understand when that thief on the cross who hadn't done anything right whatsoever said, Jesus, I repent. I confess my sin. I repent. I see who you are. At that very moment in time, he places faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus' blood covered his sins, and he was viewed as holy and blameless, not only because he was forgiven, but Jesus' righteousness was imputed to him. Can you believe that? So, see, it's a slap in his face not to understand. Do you understand the power of Jesus' blood to forgive you and cleanse you? Ah, It'll set you free if you truly grasp this. Well, we need to move to the challenge. The challenge is this. Everyone is going to die. Every one of us is going to die. I don't want to talk about the rapture right now. So more than likely, every one of us will die. Statistically, like I said, one out of one people die. Can you think about it? One minute after you die... Just think about it. One minute. You're either going to be the happiest person who ever lived or you're going to be in stark terror. One minute after you die, you are going to be either the happiest camper that has ever lived or you are going to be living in stark And you know what is really concerning me? Jeff, can you come up here for a moment? You know, it's, it's time to bring this out. Everyone ought, ought to have one of these in your house. Seriously. Can you grab the end of that? Because I just w- honestly just want you to get a hold of this and keep going. Just, just keep going. Just keep going. You got to keep going. Look, we don't have all day. Run. All right, all right. Here, here, here we go. Here we go. Now, no, I, I, th- this graphic is so telling. This, see this black portion here? This is, this is, I, I wish I had this really at the Jesus Soda Story. This is your life. This is my life. You got the birth. You got your schooling. You know, 35, 40 years of work. And everybody's working for this last portion of the black part. You know, your golden years. Right? No, isn't that true? That's what you're working for. I mean, everybody's working really. Th- th- this is it. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Those last years when you're 65 and maybe 80. But you know what happens when you get to 65? Your body begins to break down. You're not having that much fun anyhow. Yeah, have you ever been around, been around old people? I'm one of those old people. You ever been around them? All they tell you is how many doctor visits they had in a week. No, isn't that the truth? They talk about the number of doctor visits and what happened at the doctor. Now, that's an exciting retirement, don't you think? And then they die. And then they die. And look what happens. See, no, no, see the black part? See the white part? Now, okay, I, seriously, my sisters were a lot smarter than I was, so... I have great respect for women. I, I know women are really bright, okay? I, I, I'm, 
I didn't hear that. Probably, it's probably better I didn't hear it. But no, no, think about this. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to go, whoa, we sit there and put in great preparation for, so that we can have a wonderful time in our golden years. And virtually, no, no, I was talking to people yesterday, and I was going, do you understand you're going to die? Life is short. Eternity is long. Well, I'll just take my chances. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm in pretty good shape with the big guy in the sky. Really? Why, why, why do you think you're in pretty good shape? I, I don't know. Me and, him, me, and him are just, me and him are just, you know, we're together. And you get nutsoville. No, no, these, yeah, I, I go, this is a lunatic planet. We're, we're, we're here at the tugboat thing, and people are doing little pony rides, and they're getting their little cotton candy, and then they're stuffing their face with sausages, and, you know, they're just looking at just trivial junk. They don't realize. One heartbeat. Boom! And you're in the white section. And they haven't done anything. No, it breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. They haven't done any preparation for eternity. You want to know what BCC, we, we stand differently than the vast majority of churches. We prepare you for eternity. I want you, the elders want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that isn't going to happen by chance. And if you're not being prepared, we'll make a greater appeal for small group next week. But that's what we're here about. Because let me tell you, eternity is where it matters. But what you do here determines your eternity. Lord, I just pray that. Lord, we just, I don't know if we need a whack on the head with a two-by-four, but we need to wake up. No, I, I see people, they're just like lemmings going off a cliff. Just in these stupors. I didn't used to believe in zombies, but maybe they're real. Because we got walking dead everywhere. Oh, God, help us. And I know, Holy Spirit, only you can wake us up. Only you can take the veil off of our eyes. I pray if there's anyone here right now who has a veil on their eye, I just right now, Holy Spirit, that the veil would come off. They would be able to hear the good news of this message. Right now that they could hear the good news of this message and pass truly from death to life and have an awesome eternity. And so I just ask now, Holy Spirit, that you will have your way. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. 
You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.